Hello, hello. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you want to find out more about our ministry, you can go to www.lifeportoutintl.org. We release a new episode of Awaken Podcast every Monday here on the charismapodcastnetwork.com. So you can just go to www.charismapodcastnetwork.com. If you want all of our episodes, over 160 now, um, streaming through that avenue. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to, and you can tap into it there. Lots of amazing content, um, interviews from beautiful people from around the world that love Jesus, that walk with him in union, that are doing great exploits in his name, in him, with him, through him. And so I just had Heidi Baker on the show talking about miracles and the revival that's taking place in Mozambique in a war-torn country. Also had Jefferson Bethke on the show talking about the family unit and how we could really make a dent in the kingdom of darkness. We could really fulfill the purpose God has given us as a family unit, how that's a biblical um, that's a biblical, that, that's how God intended it from the beginning. And so also had Madison Pruitt on sharing her story and testimony of Jesus. She was a contestant on The Bachelor and just what she went through and the courage that it took to stand up against opposition. I have many teaching shows as well where I break down the scriptures. I had a series in the fear of the Lord and first love at the beginning of this year. Also had a series about no separation between us and God and what that looks like from a scriptural standpoint, as as well as an everyday relational paradigm that we could trust in, we could believe in, and we can connect with God 24-7. Also have a series that I'm finishing up today on the Sermon on the Mount. This is a seven-part series that I am. I'm closing out today in the last chapter, Matthew chapter 7, the last few verses there. And so I'm going to be reading the scriptures here, and I'm just going to you know break down some of what Jesus said. But this series, if you if this is the first one that you're listening to or tapping into, I highly recommend going to Sermon on the Mount, uh, parts one through six, um, and tapping into that first and then getting into this episode right now. And so the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's most famous sermon. And so you can only find it in Matthew five through seven. And Jesus, he's really highlighting to believers the importance of um, what it looks like to walk out the Christian life, but also the reality that we cannot do it on our own and our own power and abilities, that there needs to be a heart transformation, that it's not just about hating your brother. It's not just about lusting after a woman or a man. It's not just about lying or cheating. It's about the heart behind it. It's about we need a heart change. We can do nothing to change ourselves. He needs to take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. He needs to put his spirit on the inside of us. There needs to be a heart transformation, a heart surgery that takes place so we could have the mind of Christ. So our old self can be put to death and our new self can be birthed in him. We died with Christ and we are raised anew in him and with him and we are transformed. We are no longer the person we used to be before we came to faith in Christ. We are new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. And I believe that is the core 
of this sermon here. Jesus is stating, this is what it looks like to live the Christian life. This is the standard, but you cannot meet this standard without first receiving my righteousness, receiving salvation, having your old self die and receiving a new life in Christ. And then from there, as he deals with our heart, we cannot deal with our heart. The law cannot heal us. The law cannot set us free. The the law brings death. The letter brings death, but the spirit gives life. So we need a Holy Spirit transformation that take place on the inside of us. And we need the word to kindle on the inside of us as well. We need a foundation of the word of God. And then we can begin to live this out, not by striving, but by grace. The grace of God is the wind in our sails that pushes this sailboat forward. Okay, we are God's um, temple and the spirit of God. He puts wind in our sails. It is the empowerment of God's presence in our lives that catapults us forward, that causes us to walk in righteousness and holiness and life. Grace of God is never a reason to live in sin, an excuse or a justification, but it is the empowerment of God to cause us to live out our true identity in him, which is righteous and holy in his sight, blameless before him in love. And so this is part seven. I'm going to break down the last handful of scriptures here and verses um, in Matthew chapter seven. I'm going to read the scripture and then we're going to go into it from here. But Jesus said this, starting in Matthew seven, verse 24 till the end of chapter seven, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, that's important. You don't just, you're not just a hearer of the word, but you become a doer of the word. So he says, those who hear my words and acts on them. That is very important. I don't want to just gloss over that and just pretend like that wasn't said. Jesus made a very clear distinction here. He's saying we cannot just be mere hearers. The word is seed that is planted in our heart. We must water it. We must fertilize it. We must water it. And then it will grow and it will grow on the inside of us and we will become doers of the word naturally, effortlessly as the grace of God has proper place in our life. And as we yield to him in our hearts, surrender to him, we will begin to see um, all the words that he's planted in us come to fruition. And so everyone who hears these words of mine, he said, and acts on them, they will be like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. The rock is often a picture of Jesus Christ in the scriptures, a prophetic picture of symbolism. And so We will be like wise men and women who build our house on Christ, the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock or founded on Jesus. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them. They're saying, okay, there's individuals that hear the word and act on them. And there's also individuals that hear the word and don't act on them. And uh, so he's making that clear distinction here. And he's saying, for those who hear my words, but do not act on them, they will be like a foolish man who has built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against it, that house. And it fell and the collapse was great. And when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And so the same thing took place. The storms came, the floods came, winds bashing against the house. The the difference in both the scenarios of a house still standing and a house collapsing and the fall being great was someone who 
heard the word but acted on it as opposed to someone who heard the word and did not act on it. And many of you would say, okay, those who sit in church, who hear the word, many who profess themselves Christians but do not act on the word, they are hypocrites. And Jesus oftentimes calls the Pharisees and the Sadducees hypocrites in the scriptures because they loved how much word they knew. They loved what they were doing, their their tithing. They loved their, their long prayers in public. They loved how they looked. They loved their position, but they did not um, exemplify the heart of God with compassion and mercy and kindness, the very heart of the law that they were preaching. And so, hey, you know, Jesus was very intense with what he called them here in the gospels in terms of hypocritical. But we as believers, we as believers can't just hear the word. We need to say, God, I have no power over my own heart and mind. But Lord, I just commit my heart and I commit my mind to you. It is your grace that transforms, changes, breaks breaks bondages. And God, I commit myself to you and I trust you with my life. I commit myself to you and I trust that you will, will cause fruit to come up on the inside of me. And so there's a difference here between someone who hears the word and doesn't do it compared to someone who hears the word and actually does it. And so there's some foundational things here. Christ needs to be our foundation. Now, what does that look like? It's easier said than done. We could say, oh, Jesus needs to be your foundation, brother. But what exactly does that mean in somebody's life? You know, when I first got saved, I had a uh, prophetic pastor. Every time I sat with him, had lunch with him, he would always get prophetic with me without saying, thus saith the Lord, or start saying, oh, and God's telling me I'm seeing a vision. I'm not against that, okay? There's been many times in my life where people have prophesied that way to me, or I heard very directly from the Lord, and I prophesied maybe similarly to them, and it was on point, and it was from God. But just to say, like, this guy would just flow in the prophetic, and he wouldn't, like, say this is God, but it was always, like, I'd always walk away from these moments feeling like the presence and feeling like this guy's words were from heaven. And it was God speaking to me through this man. And he was really good with giving me some foundational understanding when I first got saved. And so he said, these are things that you need to have in your life. And these are very biblical things. I could break down several scriptures that point in this direction, but he's saying, these are some things that you always need to have in your life to live a balanced life. And if we have a strong foundation, which is Christ, we can go through very difficult times. And maybe you're listening to this right now and you're going through an extremely difficult time. Maybe you're being tested beyond what you even feel like you can endure. Maybe you're seeing everyone being blessed around you, this happening, but you're struggling with this or this hardship is coming your way. And then you feel like storms are beating up against your house. But that there's a difference here between someone who has a foundation, which is Christ, and someone whose foundation is not Christ. Is there so many people that go through difficulty and hardship and they fall away and they go back to their old ways and they don't confess Christ anymore and they go back to what they knew and and that is the collapse and the collapse is great. But there's a difference between somebody who endures hardship but their foundation is Christ and they cling to him and they and they and they come to him and yes they have questions. Yes there's some disillusionment but at the same time you have such a strong foundation that no matter what you might be shaken for a moment, shaken for a time, but you never let go of your core values. You never let go of Jesus, who is the word, never let go of his scriptures. And you come to a point of clarity because you have a relationship with him who is the word. You receive revelation about circumstances. You may not have all the answers, 
but Jesus is the answer and you have him and you're able to go through that circumstance stronger than you were before. You go from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. And yes, you're going to have those moments where you're a little bit shaken because everything doesn't always make sense, but your foundation is Jesus. I've seen so many people having their fall be great because they did not have a strong foundation. I've seen so many people go through the worst hardships and come out beaming with Jesus, come out stronger with a testimony on their lips, with a greater anointing, with more passion for Jesus than before they went into that fiery trial. And so there's two kinds of people, and I'm sure even listening to this right now, you've seen both kinds of people. If you've been a Christian for any period of time, if you're not new to this, you've seen both. You've seen pastors and leaders stumble and fall, and their fall is great. And you've seen pastors go through hardship, come through with a testimony and greater blessing and greater reach than ever before. You've seen friends and family members in the same scenarios. And so this is just some very basic advice. And this is something that we don't think about because it seems trivial, but this is one thing that pastor said to me. I was having lunch with him one day and he said, you need these three things in your life. I'm going to add one more thing to this list to lay a solid foundation. And all of these come from the scriptures. They're, they're, They're biblical. It's biblical advice, which means, hey, listen, this is coming from Christ, coming from the heart of Christ. So, but the first thing is you need prayer. Time alone with God, intimacy with God, which in the Sermon of the Mount, previous episode, I told you, Jesus said, go into your room, close the door, get with your father in secret, and he will reward you openly. So Jesus talked about the importance of intimacy, closing the door, just being with you and your father in heaven, developing that bond, developing that union and that relationship where he's hearing from you, you're hearing from him. You you have that, that, that time with the Lord where you're experiencing his presence, you're getting to know him, and, and you're able to walk out of that prayer closet, strengthened in your spirit to face whatever adversity comes your way. And then number two is the word of God. We need to have a daily dose of the word of God in our lives. That is our foundation. Christ is the word. And so we need to know the word of God. There's a supernatural element here. The word of God is a supernatural book. And they say, oh, just men wrote that book and all. You could have a lot of historical debates on every single line being accurate. But at the end of the day, we must trust that God was able to preserve his word and get his word to us. And as you read the word, it jumps off the pages. There's, there's Holy Spirit energy that makes passages that I had no clue what it meant previously, and now it's making so much sense. It's wild how you could read one passage at 20 years old and, you know, the same passage for years and years and years till you're 60 and you're getting something new out of that passage. And we always will because there is a supernatural element where you're getting divine revelation from the heart of God through these ancient words written by prophets of old, written by apostles of old. God uses these words. He preserved his word. He spoke through prophets and teachers and apostles and leaders, and he was able to preserve the words on the paper. And we must memorize the word. We must ponder it. We must reflect upon it. And as we gaze upon him in prayer and intimacy, and as we gaze upon him through the word, we are transformed into his very image, conformed unto him, going from glory to glory in that. 
And then also we must have fellowship. The writer of Hebrews tells us not to forsake the assembling together. And I would say, hey, going to a church every single Sunday, that is important, a midweek service, getting connected to an amazing church. There might be times and seasons where you can't go to a church exactly every Sunday, but you have a group of believers that you're meeting with, breaking bread with, having fellowship with. That's the point of this thing. The point of this thing is to gather with the saints. The first church did the same thing. They would get together. They would break bread. They would commit to the disciples' teaching. They would share their things one to another. They would pray for one another. They would give uh, whatever the needs are in the moment. They were gathering together, and it didn't have to look a certain way, but it was worship, and it was fellowship, and it was committing yourselves to the teachings of the apostles. It was the sharing, serving, loving. And so we must have that as well. And the fourth thing that I will add is leadership. I believe we must have leadership in our lives, whether that be a pastor, whether that be any kind of leader or teacher that you're following and they're mentoring you to some in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's an older brother. Maybe it's a friend that's been a Christian for a lot longer. Maybe it's your parents for a season. So many of my friends were mentored by like their father or their mother after they got saved because they are pastors or they're leaders or they are just strong believers. Myself, my, my mother and father poured into me a lot and they still do, but I've received a lot from them. And so every season looks different, but maybe it is an intercessor leader in your church. Maybe it is a pastoral figure, a teacher, a counselor in your church, whether it be a brother, a friend, somebody that's been doing this longer, someone who led you to the Lord and they're discipling you for a season. There must be leadership in your life. And you can have one or two of these elements, but not have all of these elements. And you get a little bit off kilter. I really feel like you need all of these operating in your life simultaneously to have a strong foundation in the Lord. Like you could be praying all day, you know, 24 seven in the house of prayer, praying all day, but never be reading your word or having a very shallow relationship with the word of God, not getting under solid biblical teaching. And you get a little wacky, you know, you're just all about the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, but you have no solid grounding in the word. And it becomes more about visions and encounters than it does about what the word of God states. And I'm all about visions and encounters. You've heard my episodes. If you heard my episodes, I believe in the supernatural uh, power of God. I believe in, in, in encounters. I believe in visions and dreams. I believe in tongues, interpretations. I believe in the word, discerning of spirits. I believe in all of that, faith, miracles. I've seen healings, you know, and so I believe in all of that. But if we have a very shallow relationship with the word of God. And all we're doing is spending time in charismatic circles, focusing on the presence and prayer, but we have very shallow relationship with the word. I'm telling you, that's when you get a little bit off and you could be led astray. That's where deception could creep in because maybe you're hearing from other spirits, but you're, you, you know, you think you're hearing from God. What does the word of God say? Is it, is it, is it in the word? Can the word validate what you were telling me right now? Can the word validate this prophetic word that was just given to me? Can this word validate what this what this leader is telling me to do. That is really important. That is very important. Everything must be filtered through that. And then there's people who they have a lot of word, but very little intimacy with God, very little prayer, worship time. They're not really acquainted with the presence of God there. So they have their heart is not connected, but their brain is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They've got this theology that makes them arrogant because knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. There's something very real about that. 
When I was in Bible school, there was people that were obsessed with theology and doctrine, and we need to have solid doctrine and theology, like I told you. But at the same time, they weren't intimate with the Lord, and they weren't spending time weeping before him, being in the house of prayer, receiving from him, bowing their hearts and surrender to the Lord, letting him mold them and shape them. And so, hey, you can have a lot of prayer without the word and become a little kooky and easily deceived, or you can have a lot of time with the word and theology, but very little time and intimacy with God, and you can become prideful and you can be stuck on theology, but your heart gets bigger, but your head, I mean, your heart gets smaller, but your head gets bigger. And that's not good either. And maybe you've got a lot of time in prayer. You've got, you know, you know, you're reading the word, but you don't have a church family that you're connected to, or you don't even have like really any believers around you in this season. I'm speaking directly to some people right now where it's like, listen, maybe you moved or maybe you left the church because of a certain scenario. And you're like, I could just stay home. I could read my word. I can pray, but you don't have a church you're connected to, or just a group of believers that you can meet with, talk to Jesus with, get prayer, give prayer. You know, there's just You're kind of forsaking the assembling together of believers, okay? It doesn't need to look like typical modern church necessarily. That'd be great. You should get plugged in there. But if if you don't have the assembling together of believers, there's just, you know, we could easily go astray. We can go through life by ourselves. We can let the enemy beat us up, feeling like I'm the only one going through this. You do not have a community. Like, we are meant to do this together. The church is meant to be an organism where there's believers from all different walks of life and there's pastors, apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, building up the saints for the work of the ministry. It's meant to be a gathering of people. Like ministry unto the Lord is fantastic, but we need to be put in an atmosphere to receive ministry from others and give ministry to others. There needs to be a receiving and a giving flow in our lives. And there's accountability, there's correction, there's encouragement amongst counselors and friends and other believers I've been the strongest and most vibrant in my life when I've had believers in my life that have spurred me on, that have encouraged me, that have prophesied into me, and I've been able to pour that out to others as well. And so, yeah, you could you could stay at home and you could worship and you could spend time in the Word and you could have a great relationship with Jesus, but you need that community. The Bible talks about it. It's in there for a reason. We need to be plugged in and connected. And when it comes to leadership— All right, leadership is something that if you want to fulfill the purpose of God on your life, we need somebody over us, pouring into us. We need somebody that we submit to, to learn humility, the fear of the Lord, submission. We need to learn how to be discipled so we can disciple others. That makes sense. And so, you know, there's impartation that takes place. If you listen to previous episodes of mine, one in particular is honestly one of my first episodes when I revamped up Awakened Podcast was with Will Hart. It was about the power of impartation. You can go back. It's like, I think in the first 10 episodes, go back. I share my story of um, different people that poured into my life. My pastor, David DeMola, who's now with the Lord in glory, but he laid hands on me and released impartation in my life, but I had honor in my heart for him. And because I honored him and served him, 
There was impartation that took place as he laid hands on me, prayed for me. And also he poured into our lives financially. When me and my wife were on the mission field, and I believe there's something dynamic. There was times he prayed for us and there was supernatural breakthrough in our lives. And so there's something about serving a leader and being under the authority of a leader that is loving and full of grace, not trying to dominate or be authoritative, but an amazing leader that God has given you and planted in your life that brings you to the next level. You receive an impartation that you wouldn't have received if that leader wasn't in your life. And that is a tool in your tool belt. And that is something that you need moving forward in your destiny. And so can we serve God without necessarily, could I have served God without having Pastor David DeMola in my life? Yes, I could have served God, but maybe would it be as effective today as it would have been if I didn't? I don't think so because I received spiritual impartation, tools in my belt. I was able to serve him, honor him, respect him, you know, give of myself. And I was also able to receive from him. And I learned really important things to move forward in my walk with the Lord that I'm using today. A teacher, Sharon Hobbs in Bible school, she's at Christ for the Nation still leading missions trips. I served her for three and a half years and I went to her prayer meetings at six, seven in the morning. I got up and I went to her prayer meetings and I went on the mission field with her and she encouraged me. She gave me a platform. She called out my giftings, but she corrected me. She let me know when I was being selfish or double-minded. She let me know if I had a rebellious mentality about something. It wasn't easy, but I submitted to that. And I am the man I am today because I served her. I know that. I've got a fear of the Lord and a humility in my life that I wouldn't have had if she did not bring enlightenment to me and I did not sur- submit myself to that process. And so leadership is key. If you want to fulfill the call of God on your life to the degree of effectiveness that is necessary, can we bear fruit regardless? I believe we can. If we have the other three elements, if we have prayer, if we have the word, if we have a church community and we're not just a lone ranger out there trying to do stuff on our own. But at the same time, I think leadership is key in shaping us, sharpening us, molding us to be the effective minister of the gospel that we are called to be. I'm going to end with this. This is something that I've always, it's not always conscious, but it's something that when I first got saved and went to Bible school, something they drilled in me that I am, you know, I, I, I spent time my first few years as a Christian really developing this. And ever since then, it's become more natural. It's not something that I focus on a lot, but this will sound elementary to some of you, depending on how long you've been saved. And this will resonate on the inside of you like, wow, that's so right. And I've been doing this for years or wow, this is maybe where I'm going wrong. But I think there needs to be three different kinds of relationships in our life as believers. Number one, there needs to be someone above you that can mentor you, pour into you, disciple you, or someone you can at least glean from, get revelation knowledge from, somebody that's been doing this longer so that you can grow into everything you're called to be. So somebody above you in maturity, not as mature as you've been doing it longer, someone you could learn from. Maybe they're a business person, you're going into business, but you want to do it for Jesus. Maybe they're a pastor, you want to be in full-time ministry and you need to glean from this pastor. Maybe it's a mother and father. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, whoever it may be. There needs to be someone with greater years of experience and maturity in the Lord to help guide you. And it could look different. It could be a different individual in different seasons. You always need to have people on the same level of maturity, same playing field as you, where it's like you're doing life together. You guys have the same mind, the same passion, the same heart, similar level of maturity. You're kind of going after the same thing that you could spur each other on. I have an episode on my First Love Fire um, series I did at the beginning of this year about bad moral corrupts good, good, good character. 
And so if we surround ourselves with a bunch of people that are just doing things opposite of what we feel our calling is, they're in the world that's carnal and we're just trying to live for Jesus, but all of our friends are reflecting a lifestyle that we do not want to live and reflect, then they could obviously, they could a lot of the time pull us down into that lifestyle. But if you're surrounded with people that have the same mind, same vision and purpose, you might be called to different things, but you're in a very similar season of life. Maybe you're married, newly married. You got to surround yourself with married couples that love Jesus. Maybe you have, you know, you're new to having kids. You need to surround yourself with families that, you know, married, have kids, and, you know, you could learn from them about how they've been doing life together as a mother and father with kids for the kingdom of heaven. You know, maybe you're in a very similar season of life, but you're running together and you're spurring each other on iron sharpens iron, right? And then you need to have people a little less mature under you. Maybe you got them saved. Maybe you led them to the Lord and maybe you're pouring into them or discipling them. Or maybe it's people that don't have as strong of a foundation of as you as a believer, but at the same time, like you are pouring into them. You are aware that, hey, this isn't somebody necessarily on my peer level that I consider a close friend that I could like share my heart, my life, everything about me. Like, hey, listen, you need people that know you. I'm not going to share with them my intimate details of my heart, but this person looks up to me. I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to try to strengthen them spiritually, go out to coffee with them, get to know them, etc., and then really pour the word into them, take them along on an evangelism trip, a missions trip, you know, show them, you know, how you did it, explain your life, share your story of Jesus to them. And so there should be those levels, someone above you, you're learning from, impartation, gleaning from, people at your level you're doing life with, moving forward with, iron sharpens iron, and people of less maturity underneath you that really you feel like God has placed them in your life so that you can make a positive impact on them, if that makes sense. And so I'm going to end this series, the Sermon on the Mount, on the foundation. We need a strong foundation. We need to be doers of the word. And I truly believe that if we lay a foundation in our life, prayer, word, fellowship, leadership, and we are surrounding ourselves very intentionally with people that will help us get to where we need to be as well as we can help them get to where they need to be. We're doing this together in community and it's all founded on Jesus. He's the center of it all. Then we we will will truly get there and um, we'll glorify him and we can go through anything, any circumstance and we, we, everything that can be shaken sometimes will be shaken, but that which cannot be shaken will remain. And so we want to make sure that there is a shaking sometimes in our life. Yes, 100%. But our foundation is Christ and we will always come out stronger. And these are some ways that we could really set ourselves up for success to go through the seasons of, wow, this is fantastic. Everything's working well for me. Or, wow, I feel like the world's crumbling down, but I've got Jesus. And so bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed and awakened by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you were blessed by this, help get the word out. Tell your friends, share this with your family, share this with people that you love. If this is a blessing to you, I want it to bless more people. That's why I'm doing this. It's a free resource, not asking for a dime to do any of this, not asking for monthly partners or any of that. My desire, my passion is to get you free resources so you could receive and then you could be equipped to walk out your calling in Christ, your supernatural calling in Him. So bless you guys, and I'll talk to you next time on Awaken Podcast. (laughs) 
Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org. TL.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.